Hey, we're going to stay standing while I read the word this morning. Can we do that? I'm going to read to you this morning from Mark. I was going to say Matthew. Nearly went to Matthew. From Mark. I'm going to read from verse 28. And it says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Verse 29 says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one. And there is no one, no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Lord God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it brings. We thank you, Lord God, that you want to reveal something fresh to us in your word today. God, that you are moving in this place, that you are moving in our homes. Lord God, we thank you that there is nothing, Lord, that we would rather do than be able to listen and know your word more today. So God, reveal, reveal to us, refresh us with the life in your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? So um, this, these messages lately have been called Sermons on Shuffle. They've been pretty cool. And uh, so we get to choose our own topic to preach. And I have found that a little bit daunting because this is huge. There is a lot I want to say. So strap yourselves in. We're going to go from Genesis 1 this morning. No. <laughs> But um, someone in my family who shall remain nameless thought that I should preach on, hello Huxleys, hi, so good to see you guys in here, we've missed you, sorry, just a tangent. Um, Someone in my family thought that it would be good for me to preach on why parents should listen to their children. It wasn't Ben. Someone else in my household thought that I should preach on the rapture, and uh, I've given both of those a miss today. So here we are, and I have chosen, drum roll please, love. Oh, thanks Josh. I made him stay up there just for that. I have chosen to preach on love this morning and love all ways. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And it's quite funny because Pastor Mel, wherever she is up the back there, she preached a few weeks ago on faith. And then last week, Pastor Darren preached on hope. And then God led me to preach on love. What? It's like a mini series. Woo! But how 
good is it that God is doing something that he obviously wants to bring these three concepts or these three thoughts to us as a congregation to be able to know what he is doing. And so this is really important. Maybe God is trying to say something to us. Whoa. Faith, hope, and love. Now, I will say the greatest of these is love. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me that one. (laughs) No, we have some amazing preachers. We love our team. Aren't they good? Come on. Always hearing from God. But we'll let the scriptures speak for themselves. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Love. We hear the word. We know the concept, right? We know that we are told to love God and that God loves us. And it seems fundamental and probably a little bit basic. And well, to be honest, it kind of is. But there is so much more to it. The greatest of all these commandments is to love God and to love other people. It's clear, concise, easy to understand. Yep. What is your purpose? The fundamental purpose is that you love God and love people. What is your call? The foundation will always rest on loving God and loving people. What brings, what does being a Christian look like? Quite simply, at its most basic level, it's loving God and loving people. Sermon done. Thanks, everybody. Woo. I love a good rom-com. I'm just joking. I've got heaps more to say. I love, I love a good rom-com where, you know, the country girl moves to the city and the country guy, uh, sorry, the, yeah, country girl moves to the city or the city girl moves to the country and then the country guy spills a coffee on her or like she steps in cow dung or something like that and the story goes on and they fall in love and without like but there's obviously going to be a few dramas there's some well-kept secrets an ex-boyfriend shows up there's like all of that stuff but maybe shipwreck if you never know um but they live happily ever after until the sequel when they've realized that that wasn't who they wanted to fall in love with and they've moved on to something bigger and better in their eyes. But the one thing Hollywood has done is romanticized this idea of love and made it a bit dull or dulled it down to be something that just comes and goes. It's just a thing, like it just happens but, and it can be there one minute and gone the next. But I want to tell you that that is not the kind of love that we find in the Bible. In the Bible, according to God, love is robust, it is strong, and it is never-ending. I mean, you only have to go to 1 Corinthians 13 to find all of this information about what love is, this long list, and it ends with, and it's just incredible, and it ends with that scripture that I read before about faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Besides rom-coms, because thankfully, says Ben, I like also the Avengers. Who else likes the Avengers? All right. Marvel-type movies. And uh, so Ben and I have started watching the Marvel movies from the beginning again. So we don't have huge amounts of time, but we're kind of like partway through and we're up to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So I'm totally amazed, though, at how... In that movie, I've seen it a couple of times before in any of the ones that we've watched so far, there's always something new that I discover and we're watching them in order. So I'm like, 
putting things together for the first time. And I'm like, what on earth? What? My mind is blown. Except when Loki keeps changing people and then I get really confused and I don't actually know what's going on then. I'm trying. I'm trying really hard. But the more that I, you watch these sorts of things, the more you pick up, right? And it's the same with the Bible. So we might look at this verse and think, oh, Jez, good one. You know, we know that verse. It's fine. I don't need to know anymore. But I want to challenge you this morning. There is a lot in this verse. There is a lot on love in the Bible, full stop. And so I want to give us time and space this morning for God to be able to reveal something fresh, something new. What is it that God wants to say to you this morning? Open yourselves up to what the Word is saying. Don't just skip over it or or shut down because we're talking about love or we're talking about the greatest commandment, which you think you already know. God has something new today. We are going back to basics, but we are going to see what he is going to do. Let's lean in and grasp what it is that God's got. Are we ready? Ready. My first point for you today is first, one, God loves us always. God's love is always pointed to us. John 3.16, he's one of those ones that you're going to switch off because you already know it. Let's lean in. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 3.1, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. Another version says, see what great love the Father has lavished upon us. We are called the children of God. He has chosen us to be his. Just let that sit on you for a minute. Wow, how incredible. Despite what our childhoods were like, God demonstrates what a good father is. And Pastor Darren talked about the goodness of God last week. He has called us to be his very own and he demonstrates this to us. Children that he is proud of and who he adores. His children loved and valued. That's how much he loves us. If you have kids, you have probably lavished upon them. Who's lavished upon their kids? Yeah. And often I think when we think of the word lavish, we think spoiled or like over the top, like we've gone a bit ridiculous. And as much as our kids would love that, it doesn't, loving our kids doesn't mean that we want to hand everything to them on a silver platter, right? The thing is, God has loved us lavishly, most exceptionally through the sacrifice of Jesus for us. But he's loved us not by giving us everything we want, And not by making life super easy and super cruisy all the time. That's not how God is lavishing on us, no. Because we would become lazy, brattish, ungrateful, rude children. We've all had children who have behaved like that. We've all behaved like that, let's face it. We've all experienced it. But... You know, don't get me wrong, I want to hand everything to my kids. In Deep down in within me, I just wish I could hand everything to my kids and make everything easy and good. I'm not going to do that, Charlotte. I'm very sorry. Because it's not good for them. And it's bad for them to have that expectation. 
But just because something doesn't go the way that we thought it should doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. Just because I prayed something and it didn't come to pass the way that I thought doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. Just because I didn't get that job or that relationship broke down or I got sick doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. He still loves us always. I've prayed a lot of times and not seen it happen the way that I would like it to. But I also know that I don't need to question God on that. I just need to trust God in that. Because I know that he still loves me and I know that he still has the very best intentions for me and he is teaching me and showing me and growing me and building me through all of those times. Because for some reason, the thing that I think is the best outcome is not necessarily the God best outcome. And that's okay. Does it mean I stop asking or praying? No, absolutely not. Who knows when breakthrough is coming? And the Bible's clear about us continuing to pray all the time. When God lavishes on us, sometimes it comes with lessons for life. Sometimes it is in the form of blessing, but not so that we are just blessed, so that we can be a blessing to other people. Sometimes it comes by reminding us about who we are in his word by giving us good people in our lives. Sometimes it comes in the form of discipline or truth, and all the while it is encompassed by grace and the knowledge that this love doesn't go away. It is here to stay. God's love towards you is here to stay. It never changes. But I want to tell you something. God is also not waiting for us to have it all together before he loves us. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yep, we get it wrong sometimes, but we're still loved. In fact, not only does God love us, he likes us. And I think we get caught up in this knowledge that, yeah, we know God likes, loves us, but have you ever really stopped to think about the fact that God actually likes you? In fact, he enjoys spending time with you. He looks forward to it. I really felt that this was for someone today, that you feel like God doesn't like you. You know he loves you. In your head, you know. But he actually really likes you. He likes to spend time with you when you're working on your car. He likes to spend time with you when you're eating fish and chips particularly at the beach, I think. He likes to spend time with you when you're watching a movie. He likes to spend time with you when you are walking or reading or hanging out with your mates. His love for you is such that he likes to spend time with you. He's not compartmentalised. He's not gone when you sit down to dinner. He's always there and his love is always directed towards us. So it makes perfect sense to me that if, as God's love is directed towards us, our love would be directed towards him. So our second point this morning is our love towards God is a response to his love for us. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because God first loved us. 
Now, the context of this scripture is about loving other people. Yep, that's true. But the reality is that we are unable to love other people unless we first direct our love to God well. Not really well. We can't love people really if we don't know how to love God first. Our love needs to always be pointed towards God, not just when we feel like it or when we're at church. Mark 12, 30, let's go back there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The first and greatest commandment according to Jesus, probably something to stop and listen to. I think it can also be a little bit confusing about what it means to really love God because for a long time I thought that loving God meant that I had to be perfect. It meant that I had to read my Bible diligently every single day. It meant that I had to pray without ceasing, that I could think of nothing else. It meant that I had to have a life that exemplified the very core of God in everything that I did. And I just had to live like that always. And there was a lot of pressure in that. It doesn't sound wrong, really, does it? Doing all those things. Not, it doesn't really sound wrong, but I can t- I can realize I have realized. Let me try that again. That I can do all of those things without my heart turned towards God. I can do all of those things, and I could live in a place of fear, a slave to religion, without relationship. You know, I can also do the opposite. I can live in a way that doesn't show God at all. But I can tell everybody that I still love God. I can tell myself that I still love God. And I can do things my own way, claiming to love him, claiming grace to do whatever I like. But in both of these cases, the heart is not engaged with God. In both of these cases, a heart is not in relationship with God. Because when our hearts are engaged with God, all that I do comes out of that place. When I read the word, it's because I love God. When I pray, it's because I love God. When I'm talking to people, I'm loving God. I, can't, I don't do something to earn God's love. My heart is already directed towards him. Loving God means loving with my whole being. All the parts that I am made up of, heart, soul, mind, spirit. I heard, um, I read in a commentary this week. It encompasses everything that we are, everything that God created us to be. We are to love him with our minds, our emotions and our will. When I love God and my heart is turned towards him, I will keep his commands I will look to his word and I will follow where he leads and the direction for my very best life. I will honour him in word and deed. That's the fruit of a life that loves God, right? Because I'm submitted and surrendered to him in every way, but by choice, not because he forces me to or I've been told I have to. It's a choice that I make every single day to love God. And I know that I'm not going to get it right all the time, but God still loves me and I still love God. I say sorry, I move on. You know, the love of God amazes me. It surprises me and is 
it just blows my mind that he loves me so much and my love might never ever measure up to his, but it's not supposed to because I'm not God. It's not a comparing game. That's fine. I'm not God. I love God with all that I am, not with all God is, with all I am. And when my heart is engaged towards God, there is an overflow that occurs. And that overflow that occurs is the love of myself as well as the love for other people. Our our third point today is our love of people is an overflow. Our love towards God gives us ability to love ourselves and to love others. You know, loving ourselves is a big topic. And honestly, I I don't have time to cover it today. We will be here all day. But I will say one thing. I've been reading a lot in Romans 8. And what God has been talking to me about is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But it extends to condemning ourselves. If you sit in a place where you condemn yourself, then God is saying there is no condemnation. No condemnation from other people, no condemnation from me, and there shouldn't be any condemnation from you, but often we are the worst at condemning ourselves. So part of the journey to loving ourselves is to understand and to get past this and to get a revelation that we need to stop condemning ourselves. So is that if that is for you today, I would ask you to go to Romans 8, pursue that thought, Ask God what he wants to reveal to you in that because I believe that when we get this revelation, when we understand that we do not need to condemn ourselves, we will have a new level of freedom and a new ability to love other people and even to love God. So go there, whether yeah, whatever you feel condemnation in, I just want to challenge you today to go and pursue that journey. Love is not meant for us to just enjoy It is meant to be shared. It's meant to be grown. It's meant to be put out there to other people as well. When we experience God's love, we are compelled to outwork it towards other people. And there are two categories of people that the Bible talks about. Firstly, we are given a clear directive on loving people within the faith community. And for most of us, that is here at C3 Church Victory, but it also extends to other believers, other people in, who walk in faith. 1 John 4, 21. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And there's plenty more. John 15, 17. This is my command, love each other. And each of these scriptures is directed towards the believers, the community of believers that, and, and the disciples that Jesus had around him or the people that were living as believers after Jesus died. But he's not just making a nice suggestion. He's telling them that for the world to be well impacted, you need to love each other. For the world to have the very best of you, you need to love each other in the faith community because that's how other people are going to know the love of God. God loves this community. He knew you were going to be here today. He knew you were going to be online. He knew that this group of people was going to be a part of this church right now for this season in this moment in time. He loves you. I love seeing your faces. I love that I know that you have my back because we are part of community 
And what does it look like? You can go to 1 Corinthians 13 and I can tell you what it looks like to love this community. You can apply 1 Corinthians 13 to a lot of places, but love is patient. In this community, we're patient with each other. We're, we're all on different journeys. That's okay. We're just there for each other. We're patient. We're kind. We're kind to new people. We're kind to each other. We love each other. We look around. We don't stick with what we know. We embrace new and old faces and we choose to be inclusive. We are kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. We're not jealous of what someone else has or gloat about something we have. We are cheerleaders for each other. It does not dishonor each. It does not dishonor others. So it means we honor each other and we honor our leaders. It's not self-seeking. It means we serve together. We honor God with the gifts that we've been given. We do our part for the community. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. In this community, we always think the best of each other. In this community, even if we've had a bad experience with somebody, we choose to forgive, to go out of our way to change the first impression that we might have had, to know that these people have bad days too. I have bad days and we've probably got no idea really what's happening in their world. We don't assume just as we don't want other people to assume about us. And it means we bring our concerns to the right people, but we do it with a heart that is for them and we check our motivation behind it. That's okay. That's what we do. More than that, we pray for each other. We are a community that prays for each other. When you love people, you pray for them. This community prays for each other. And if we don't do that already, then I want to challenge us to do that today. Our hearts are moved and stirred when we pray and we begin to see things shift and change and we begin to see people through Jesus' eyes and we all need to do that, right? We all need to do that. And there's so many other ways. This is not an exhaustive list. How is the Holy Spirit stirring you to love people here today? The second group of people we love are those who are yet to come into relationship with Jesus, our neighbours, the friends and strangers in our lives. And Mark 12, 31 says, the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. And this is vital. This is vital to the world that we live in. We can totally sit back and live our comfy lives. But we are called to love people outside of this community as well. We are called to step out of our comfort zone and to love people in the world. And we all have different ways that we're going to do this. You know, I know an amazing couple who know that they are called to love people outside of their own immediate family and they have chosen to walk down the line to foster children. What an incredible way to love our community. These kids who don't know love, most of them, who have no idea what it means for someone to actually love them, this couple have chosen to go out of their comfort zone and to include and embrace some young people into their world so that they would know love. That's the love of God right there. It's going to look different for all of us. We are not all called to foster people. Please don't hear that. If you are not called, don't do it. But we are all called to love people in our community. We are all called to love the people that we see in the street. We are all called to love people that are outside this community or outside our immediate sphere of influence. How is it that you are loving those people today? What is it that God is calling you to do? You know, the greatest act 
of course, is to share the gospel in both word and deed, living, breathing examples of a Christ-like life. We, that's us. And funnily enough, when we help people to take a step toward Jesus, then the hope is that they would know the love of God. And then they would choose to love God and then they would flow, overflow into loving more people. The cycle continues. Loving people is not just a good idea, it's God's idea. Because he has given us all that we need to be able to love people well, even the very hardest people. So to recap, God loves us always. Our love towards God is a response to his love to us and our love of people is an overflow. So today I want us just to remember one thing. There was a lot. There's a lot of verses. But I want you to remember this. Love all ways. We love God. We love ourselves. And we love other people around us. God loves us always. And we then can love all ways ways.